With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Your source for all things Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks. With your hosts, Jordan Linscott, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Kevin Musto. You're listening to the Stickblade Podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of the Stickblade Podcast. It is a Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks Red Rivals podcast. We cover all things Chicago Blackhawks, all things Detroit Red Wings, and just general news about the league. On tonight's episode, we're going to have a lot of information and, I guess, discussion about both respective teams. The Blackhawks and the Red Wings having some interaction finally on the trade block this season. We're going to be talking about the Perlini for Regula trade in regards to both teams, what this means for giving up future assets versus current assets. And then on the Hawks side, we've got a couple of things to talk about. Kirby Doc is going to be staying up. He's not going back down. Chicago's pretty much putting some faith in this kid that they think he's going to be something special for them. Adam Boquist getting the call up to play with the Hawks organization. A little bit of drama with Brent Seabrook. And then on the wing side, we're going to talk about Giovanni Smith essentially finally getting sent back down to Grand Rapids as well as Svechnikov. Uh, Joe Hicketts finally getting another chance at the NHL level. And then Detroit finally breaking out of this losing slump that they've been in for basically the past two weeks. Then once we've gotten outside of the Blackhawks and the Red Wings, we're going to be talking about the league in general. Um, Just a couple, I guess, notable contracts and injuries. Uh, Roman Yossi signing his eight-year deal. Tarasenko and Landeskog both being out for pretty extended periods of time and what that means for their organizations. And then, like always, we're going to be doing our flash forward where we look at the games that are coming up for the week. And then our flashback where we look at what happened this past week for both organizations on the scoreboard. What looked good, what looked bad, and just sort of recapping it all. So, With all that being said, let's go ahead and just jump right into this thing. So since this is a Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks podcast, uh, the first real interaction that the teams had this year, uh, Brendan Perlini ends up getting moved from the Blackhawks organization to the Detroit Red Wings, and the exchange is for Alec Regula. He's basically a uh, prospect in the Wings organization. So, Nick, you guys basically, in my opinion, gave up a better player in this moment. Uh, what's your initial assessment on what the Hawks gave up in this trade? You know, I've been beating the drum all, uh, well, not all year, for the first month of the season saying Brendan Police should start getting some playing time. And the Hawks are were, were completely against that idea, just healthy scratching him every night, playing him on defense during practices. 
And I think you guys are getting a great player. Uh, sure, he has his issues in the past with being inconsistent, but he, when he's on, he could score. He's one of the elite goal scorers on the ice. Like I, I know it's saying that's saying a lot for a guy that's that inconsistent, but he knows how to put the puck in the back of the net. And I think it's a great piece to add for Detroit and maybe a healthy change of scenery for Brendan Pellini. Yeah, um, we talked about this last week about him. Um, getting permission to seek a trade and we never would have guessed this is where he was going to (laughs) go. I mean, I said Arizona and I think I'm trying to remember what you said, but I said Pittsburgh. Yeah. You said Pittsburgh. So like seeing interaction between our two teams was, was nice. Um, I think we're getting a proven NHL player who's going to add some scoring to our, you know, lower lines because we can't have, Montha, Larkin, and Bertuzzi do everything. So it's good having a guy that can find the back of the net. And yes, I'm a little upset losing Regula. I thought he was an interesting, uh, good prospect. But we have a lot of really good prospects, and we have such a logjam going into Grand Rapids and then going into Detroit in the next couple of years that he may have never even made it to Detroit. So I think it's a win for us, and it could be a win for you guys in the long run. And just saying, uh, since getting Perlini, we're undefeated. Detroit won the uh, the Perlini trade, if nothing else, because they are undefeated in the Perlini area. Chicago is winless in the post-Perlini era. But in all seriousness, uh, I'm not super familiar with his contract, Nick. Is Perlini still RFA after this season? Yes, he will still be an RFA uh, because it was, I believe it was just a one-year contract extension this summer. Or Early there, the, earlier this fall, so he will be an RFA because you have to play at least I think it's five or five or six seasons for to become an uh, under unrestricted free agent. As for I kind of I didn't really before this trade, but Corey had him ranked eighth among all Detroit Red Wings prospects this fall with a nice farm system that Detroit has. I that's a pretty big praise. And then he's also, as of right now, he's one of the best defensemen in the CHL with the London Knights. Yep. And I think the the Hawks got to got to see him play a lot last year, just watching Adam Boquist. So they clearly had their eye on Alex Alec Regula, and you know, hopefully, he becomes a staple in the Hawks team going forward. I mean, I wish him nothing but the best. Uh, you actually mentioned uh, the fact that they got to watch him play with Boquist last season and the uh, with the London Knights. Do you know if they? Had Bo, uh, was Evan Bouchard playing with Boquist, or if they actually had Regula playing with him? Uh, I don't know what the line, the D pairing was. I, I thought I'd seen something that he was Boquist's partner, but I could be completely wrong. Let me see. So, because I mean, it could be one of those situations where it's a pretty low risk move for them, and they're picking up a guy who, in theory, Boquist already has chemistry with. So. It could even be like if they don't plan on getting Regula to the NHL level within the next two or three years, they could plan on putting him down in Rockford to play with Boquist just so those two start getting chemistry together. So when they get called up, there's some comfort there. Well, I mean, I mean Boquist is up now, though. I'm saying if he if he doesn't stay up full oh, time. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, I... Chicago, you guys don't really have, like, a quote-unquote that guy to replace a um, Keith or a Seabrook type player in your organization, do you? No, we. Uh, I mean, right now it's just we're hoping Ian Mitchell's a big name that we're talking about, and obviously now Adam Boquist. 
just to jump in real quick, they were line partners together last season. Okay, that's what I thought. I I, I remember seeing a tweet, but I, I'm honestly surprised that the Red Wings gave up regular. I mean, I know, like you said, David, they have a long jam at D, and they're I mean, prospects. We've, we've got other prospects that are looking like they're doing better than he is in their I, league that they're in. I know, but for a guy like Prilini, who the Hawks were, he like the Hawks had no leverage. Like Perlini wasn't seeing the lineup there, and he the Hawks gave him permission to request to seek a trade. So, I I thought yeah. we were gonna get like a late round draft pick at most, but a former third third round pick, it's definitely worth the flyer to for a guy you weren't using. Yeah, and a Red Wings third round pick is a lot of teams' first picks. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now you've had extensive, well, I guess more extensive time watching him than me or David have. If you looked at looked at Detroit's lineup, and we're gonna put Perlini somewhere in it, realistically, where do you think he would slot in? Because I know Giovanni Smith just got sent down, and Svechnikov got sent down. So I think that the organization's making room for him somewhere. I honestly think he could play on your second line. I mean, I know you got the MLB line, Matt, uh, Mantha Larkin, but uh, Bertuzzi, but I think he, he's a top six forward and he's going to have a chance to shine and play a lot of minutes in Detroit. So I wouldn't mind seeing him. On, if I were you guys, I wouldn't mind seeing him on the second line just because, you know, this is a year he could re- he plays with, he's just refreshed and gets a new look and more, more ice time, more confidence. Um, yeah. I'm looking at the schedule and uh, you guys forgot something that we could jump. Uh, yesterday, Zadina scored his first goal with the Griffins of the season and Valeno scored his second of the season. Okay, oh, did well, he? Well, yep. Okay, we can talk about that in just a moment. Yeah. Um, well, we'll cut that part and then put it at the. We'll talk about it behind this or something. Yeah. But uh, so we're kind of looking at it from your guys' perspective, Nick. I mean, you guys are getting rid of a player who I don't think you guys really saw long term with the organization and who, I mean, you said was kind of dealing from a position of weakness. Um. David, when you look at this deal, do you like it or not? Because, I mean, I understand Steve Eisenman's trying to put a competent team together to compete, but mm-hmm. if Detroit is truly rebuilding, I don't understand why he's giving up prospects right now for players. Mm-hmm. Like, And now, granted, um, we obviously don't know what Alec Regula is going to be, but the fact that you're giving up a kid who's not even 20 years old yet as a prospect, I don't, I don't think he's 20, is he? No, he's 19. Like, you're already giving up a kid who's not even began to reach the point where he's going to hit the professional leagues. I don't understand this move. I, yeah, there's a logjam. We have plenty of defensive prospects. I mean, Iserman uh, drafted a bunch, or, yeah, we drafted a bunch these last two years. And from what I've been reading, there's a lot of guys in the system, uh, like McIsaac, who look like they're improving really well. And there's just going to be a log jam. And we don't really know. Regula is, from some projections I've seen, he's proje- he was projected to be a third liner or a, a third or defensive, second or third defensive pairing. Um, so we have plenty of guys that could fill those role, and we aren't sure that he could he would develop into that role. Um, with Perlini, we have a guy who's still very young at 23, who's not even in his prime yet. He was a guy that can find the net and he's a proven NHL player. It's not like he's like 
bouncing between AHL and NHL. He's been in the NHL his whole career, basically. Um, he was a he was the twelfth or thirteenth overall pick in twenty fourteen. So he was a first round pick. So and an early first round pick. Um, so Iserman, you know, I like I said, I trust the guy. Look what he did with Tampa Bay. He made them perennial contenders. Um, and he's building a team with, he needed some offensive power because we weren't scoring goals and he found a young guy who is going to be a restricted free agent. So someone that we can bring back in, um, who can score. And we gave up a player that could develop into a great defender or could develop into, you know, an average defender, but we got someone who could do very well for us. I think for me, it's, I'm not necessarily mad that we give a prospect because I mean, obviously if you want something, you have to give something up, but I don't know. For me, it just seems kind of weird that we're trading away prospects already when we're still rebuilding. Like, I mean, obviously, I mean, I just mentioned it, but you don't want to make like a losing culture and the Red Wings need something besides that top line, putting them on the scoreboard. I don't know. It just seemed kind of weird to me that he would be trading defensive prospects when, I mean, what is it? Cider's in the pipeline. Sorry, Arby's in the pipeline. McIsaac's in the pipeline. Um, there's a bunch. Let me pull it up because I was reading about it yesterday, uh, this weekend. I'm um, just seeing who we have. Red Wings. Like, like there's quite a few, but I don't know. It just seemed kind of surprising to me that he was going to trade a prospect who plays a position that we're relatively okay. weak at. There's Gustav Lindstrom. Um, I want Isaac. Joe Hicketts, who's not too young, but he's he's there. Um, do, 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 do. Albert Johansson. We've got Gustav Berglund. So these are guys that Dylan McElrath, uh, Seth Barton. Lord so Sider. Gustav Lindstrom, Alphonse Malmstrom. Um we have a lot of defensive prospects and a lot of them have been developing well from what I've read. Um, so yes, we lost regular, but we still have plenty of guys. And yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. Like we're rebuilding. We shouldn't be trading away prospects, but to, we need to improve the team now because we don't want to be, you know, last place dumpster fire mock of the, mockery of the NHL. We want to still compete. Even if we're going to try and get that first pick, we still need to be a team that can compete. Okay. I, sh- I, I thought it was something we should probably touch on just because it involves both teams. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, any... honestly, I think Jared McIsaac's going to be a far better defender than Alec Regula. And he's same age. I mean, um, he f- sorry, he finished second in the league among defensemen um, with points and plus minus. Um, and he carried Halifax to the championship last year, I think. I don't know that one off the top of my head, to be honest. Because I remember he played Valeno. They played each other in the final. And I think McIsaac's team won. I don't know. It just seemed kind of interesting to me is all. That that was sort of the decision that the Wings went with. Mm-hmm. Um, we can go ahead and move on, though, uh, unless anybody has any remarks that they want to say before we transition over. I heard Pellini really likes paninis. Pellini panini. Phil Kessel has his hot dogs. Pellini has the panini. So we'll go ahead and uh, move on, though, to the actual team-specific front here. Um, we'll go ahead and just start with the Blackhawks side this week since uh, 
Kevin's gone, so Nick's the uh, the lone, I guess, Blackhawks. Lone wolf. Lone wolf. Uh, quite a few important moves happened for you guys in your organization this week. Um, we'll, again, walk through them, and then we'll go through them uh, one by one. So I mentioned it at the top of the show. Kirby Doc is going to be staying up with the Hawks, so he's not going back down. Adam Boquist officially got his call up to the NHL level, so he's getting real pro playing time against true NHL talent. And then the Brent Seabrook controversy. So let's go ahead and just walk through them one by one. Uh, the first one being Kirby Doc staying up with the Hawks. Yeah, I'm absolutely thrilled. I, uh, I, you know, it was always a big fear that this year Kirby Doc was going to get only nine games, and we we really want to see what this guy has and see what he could bring to the NHL level right now. And he's clearly proven himself that he he's ready to play in the NHL. Jeremy Colleton said the other night in the press conference before the announcement that he said Kirby Doc was never talked about as being a great skater, and he, and he is a great skater. So one of the knocks on Kirby Doc's game was his skating, and he's clearly developed and changed with his, whatever he was doing. I think he had just stutter steps, and now he's becoming one of these guys. It just looks like an NHL player. He's doing everything right. Uh, against Vegas, he had his first goal, and then the game after that, he had an assist on the only goal, Brandon Sound goal. So he's off to a great start. I think it's well deserved for Kirby Doc. Great kid, great part of our future, and it's going to be great. To, it's going to be a great year for his development because they're putting him in roles where he could succeed, and he got even a shift with Kane and Taves the other night. So. They clearly like what he's bringing to the Blackhawks right now, and good for him. I mean, happy for him and happy for his family that all this hard work has paid off. I watched a little bit of uh, their game a couple nights ago. One thing I did notice, though, is, I mean, it's definitely still noticeable that he needs to put on size for sure to hang at the NHL level with other pros. Do you think that the team is going to try to really instill that on him during not even just the season, but the off season as well, if they plan on him staying up with the Hawks full time, I think it it's not going to be a season long thing because it seems like the Hawks are a lot of the Blackhawks are transitioning to the Kane workout where Kane avoids lifting weights during the season, kind of just likes to keep his body in shape in other ways. And I think we could see that with Kirby Doctor because a lot of the star players are doing what Kane does now, just to keep their body in tip top shape, but also so they're not sore and feeling a little slow on game days. But, yeah, come the offseason, I think you'll see Kirby Doc put on a lot of muscle weight. And But this season, I don't. I, I just see him, maybe he'll gain slightly weight, but it'll, it'll come, once the offseason comes in, he'll put on some weight. Okay. And based on his games, what would you say is probably his biggest area to improve at? Biggest area to improve? Honestly, I, I've liked everything he's done, but if I had to say one thing is uh, – I would say probably just not get too creative. Make the smart plays, make quick plays. You know, he's he's been known for his creativity in the NHL. Some of the stuff that worked in the CHL is not going to work. There there hasn't been anything too noticeable, but as long as he sticks to his game now, don't get over creative. Make the smart, quick plays, and you're going to succeed in the NHL. Okay. Uh, one of the other big pieces of uh, news for this week: uh, Adam Boquist ends up getting his first call up to the NHL level full uh, full time, but for a game and not even just necessarily sitting on the bench watching. So another big, pretty, pretty decent move for your guys' organization in terms of looking at what you're going to be doing long-term. Yeah, I was surprised by this. It happened. It what do you just... think is going to happen on that front, Nick? 
I, I think he's going to be up. It sounds like they want to keep him up all year already. Uh, you know, he scored his first goal in Rockford the other night, his first professional goal. So in, I, it sounds like they want to keep him up, and this might be a developmental year for the Blackhawks the way things are going right now. But it, it was surprising to see him get called up already. You know, I was thinking around the 30-game mark, then we'll hear his name and some rumors about being called up. But another another part of this is I think Eric Gustafson is on his way out of Chicago. If they're calling out this young offensive stud D-man, Eric Gustafson might be on his way out because he's been struggling. But back to Boquist, it, it, it was surprising. I, I'm excited because we were, like I said, the past podcast, we were just talking about all these prospects that we have in the system and we're looking ready to for them to be in the NHL. And, you know, I'm excited for Boquist and a new era has begun in Chicago with the young studs coming up. Seems like you guys are definitely trying to push your first rounders to the NHL as fast as you can instead of letting them sit in I guess sort of uh what's the word I'm looking for? I guess sort of just develop, develop, develop and over ripen down at like the AHL level, like the Windsor have been known to done. Yeah, it sounds it, it seems like this year I, I'm not gonna say it's a lost cause yet. I know they've gone off to a slow start, but they they really want to develop their prospects and get them against NHL level talent. So they're ready to compete. It's, I mean, I'm not going to count the Blackhawks out yet. This could be a move also just to show that they're ready to compete just by bringing up all these guys and making desperation moves. But, yeah, it's a definitely it's going to be a significant growth in Adam Boquist's development. And then uh, we have another piece of news. You actually brought this to my attention, but Zach Smith is supposedly on the trading block for uh, the Hawks organization. Yeah, uh, good luck, Stan. He's He got waived by the Ottawa Senators last year. Nobody wanted him <laughs> on waivers last year. Nobody's going to want him now. The dude's getting paid too much money. He's the worst player on the Blackhawks this year. There, there's no interest in him. If, if Stan finds a trade for Zach Smith, I'll take everything back. Everything I said bad about Stan and that I'm going to say throughout the rest of this episode, but it doesn't make sense. Just put him on waivers, send him to Rockford. He's he's a waste of a roster spot right now. Okay. And then the last piece of uh, Hawks news that I remember us uh, talking about in the pregame is uh, the Brent Seabrook controversy. So why don't you go ahead and take us through that for a second, Nick? Release the Nick. Release. Uh, sorry, sorry, boys. I know this is a this is a rough. It's been a rough week. Give in but, to your anger. All right, so Brent Seabrook was a healthy scratch for the second time in his career against the Los Angeles Kings, and that was on a back-to-back game against after we got our shit pumped against Carolina Hurricanes. So a back-to-back for a veteran. Okay, Seabrook was, you know, he's, he's upset he's not playing, but he understands he's older, and maybe it's just a sign of rest. Well, a day la- or two days later, the Blackhawks played the Nashville Predators. Brent Seabrook, not told he was a healthy scratch, finds out, finds out that morning that he's a healthy scratch that night against the Predators for a second straight game. Never happened in his career, and it's third time in his whole career that he's a healthy scratch. So Brent Seabrook's not okay with that because, one, he's, a, he's the leader in the locker room. He's like the father of the team. He keeps everybody in check. He, he's a vocal presence. And then, two, Colleton did not mention it to him. Like he, they, they had no conversation about it. And someone who's a veteran like Brent Seabrook and done all he's done for this organization, he deserves to get noticed at least that he's not going to be in the lineup. But 
he, he quoted in the presser, he said, I was not aware. He, there was no conversation about him being scratched. And it was a surprise to him. And he's frustrated. He said he could, he believes that he has the talent and he'll, he could bring to the table to help somebody, help somebody, the big work with somebody out in the, for his career. So it sounds like he might be wanting out of Chicago if this keeps up. Be interesting for you guys because I mean he was a he's been a pretty big piece of your guys' organization during your guys' dynasty years. Yeah, I mean he's a big contributor to three Stanley Cups, so uh, it, it's not what he deserves. He and he's not the he's not. There's no seven defensemen better than Brent Seabrook on this roster right now. You tell me Slater Cuckoo deserves to play over Brent Seabrook. I don't care how much Brent Seabrook's making. I don't care how slow he is. We knew that was happening. It's not going to be the narrative for three straight years. Play him. Suck it up. Play him on the third line. I don't care. Just He deserves to be in the roster, and he's, a better, he's actually been one of the better defense this year. So I don't know what the Hawks are doing. I don't know what Collinton's doing, but he's losing the locker room with, this move, with moves like this. Um, is there any other Hawks news that you can think of, Nick, before we move on to the wing side? Uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk about it going. Uh, there's no news, but we'll, we'll I'll continue my rant on the Hawks throughout the rest of this episode. Okay. Um, well, before that happens, we'll go ahead and talk about the Red Wings front this week. <laughs> so, the Red Wings not really having uh, as big of a week as the Hawks have had, but still some pretty decent moves for their team and just sort of what we're looking at. So, Giovanni Smith uh, finally gets sent back down to Grand Rapids. He had a couple of games that he got to play in Detroit. I actually was at a couple of them, and I thought he looked pretty decent. I mean, he grinds it out. Like, in my opinion, this is what Giovanni Smith looked like during that stint. He looks like a grinder who can actually get pucks to the net, and that's... That's a sort of player who is going to be valuable to your team. He's not going to be sitting there lighting up your board, but those players are crucial for just chomping minutes out of the game. He, I'm trying to th- think. Jordan, would you compare him to like a Danny Cleary, a guy that's like that grinds on you and gets in your way, but can take that puck and score? Yes, that's that's almost a perfect analogy for it. Actually, like he's a big-bodied kid, like he. He already was showing when he was playing that he wasn't going to get muscled off the puck. Like, he was staying with it. He wasn't afraid to, you know, get in people's face. He almost got into a fight the two or two of the games that he was up in Detroit. So he's not afraid to get physical with guys. And like you said, like, he's a grinder who can actually shoot and has puck skill. Like, I think that's going to turn out to be a great pick for Detroit. Yeah. Um, I was saying last week, like, how much I love Danny Cleary and yeah. Uh, Giovanni Smith has some of those tendencies where he will, he'll be in like the, the, the opponent's ear, like just getting in their way, like grinding, grinding and he can get the puck and put it in the back of the net too. And like, let's not like a lot of people are like, well, he's just going to be, you know, a, uh, a fourth liner who, is going to be doing nothing but being put on the penalty kill or being a grinder. That may be true some nights, but there are nights where I can see him potentially getting third line minutes where he's going to be put in almost like a power forward type style. Now, granted, I don't think he's going to be as scoring by any stretch as Anthony Manta is because Anthony Manta is a true power forward, but he almost strikes me as like a middle ground between a power forward and a grinder just like his body style and the way that he plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
another big piece of news that uh, Detroit had, uh, Evgeny Svechnikov also got sent back down to Grand Rapids. So I know at the beginning of the year, there was a lot of question marks surrounding, you know, is this kid coming right back to Detroit? Is he going back down to Grand Rapids to, you know, continuous development? Detroit ended up pulling the trigger and sending him back down to Grand Rapids. So that's kind of disappointing for us. But I still think he's got the potential to be a middle six player in the NHL once he gets his groove back out. What are your what are your just I guess general opinions of these moves, David? Um, I can't hear anything. Can't hear me? Yep, I hear you now. Um, so I think he his injuries really hindered his development. So I think it set him back a little bit. He still needs to develop some more. Um, so I'm okay with him going back to Grand Rapids because he missed all of last year basically. So he missed an entire year of development. So I feel like he's going to develop in Grand Rapids. He'll come up every so often for Detroit. But I think it's going to be probably another season before he's on the roster full-time because we still got to get rid of some of that uh, old weight with Nielsen um, and a few others. Okay. Um, And then I guess – we have two more pieces of news to talk about for the Wings front. Uh, Joe Higgins finally getting another chance at the NHL level. I believe this was, what was it, was this his second game at that level? I believe so. So, I mean, I think the ship has kind of sailed on Joe Higgins at this point. I mean, it's fun watching a guy like him who's considered undersized by defenseman standards get a chance to play at the level, but... I just I don't really see him as any future part of this organization long term. Do you, David? No, not really. But I think he could make a good, you know, third pairing. And then the uh, arguably the biggest news of this week: Detroit finally breaks their losing streak, and they do it against the Edmonton Oilers of all teams. The, the Perlini era has started. Detroit is undefeated in the era, so good on us. Uh, I was actually, Family Cup, undefeated rest of the season. Yeah, like, are you able to watch this game at all? Um, I was not able to find a good enough stream, but I did watch some of the clips of it, and Detroit was looking really good. Say, Detroit looked very good the first two periods of this game, and then they almost gave it away in the third again. Mm-hmm. I... You know, Blashiel's motto is 60 minutes of hell. And yeah, they didn't go the full 60 minutes of hell. They, they haven't done that really at all this season. Like, it seems like the Red Wings keep having these 40 minute games, but the clock is 60 minutes. Yep. But I mean, I guess at the end of the day, a win's a win. It wasn't a pretty one by any means. I mean, Detroit absolutely ran over Edmonton those first two periods. But that third, they almost gave that game away. Um, I can't think of anything else for the Red Wings to talk about in terms of the actual Red Wings team. Uh, You mentioned it just a bit ago, David, but uh, in terms of the AHL, Philip Sedina finally getting his first goal of the season. Yeah, off of a nice redirect from Turgeron. And uh, Joe Valeno. Got what was it? His second, his second goal of the yep, season. Second goal. He's going for that hundred goals. So, I guess kind of good news for us just seeing some production from first round picks in the uh, AHL. 
Um, we can go ahead and transfer, though, out of the Red Wings and Blackhawks-specific news for the week, and we can sort of move on to the flash-forward and flashbacks, if you guys are all right with that. Yep. Uh, since we started the episode with the Chicago Blackhawks uh, discussion, let's go ahead and just talk about a little flashback for the week. So looking at the Blackhawks' schedule for these past couple weeks, or not the past couple weeks, past couple days, uh, let's go ahead and just walk through it. So they ended up playing, uh, what was it, against the Flyers on the 24th? Yep. Did you guys yep. They ended up losing that one 4-1. to one. They played against the Hurricanes on Saturday, losing that one 4-0. to They beat the Kings on Sunday 5-1, and then they lost to the Predators on Tuesday 3-0. to So losing three out of their four games this past week. And ugh, I didn't watch them all, but that Predators one in particular looked rough. Mm-hmm. You described it perfectly with the ugh. Yeah, that's uh, that was the Hawks' week. It was, it was ugh. That that's the best way to describe it. Starting with the uh, the Flyers, team just did not look like they wanted to be there. It was awful. They they looked terrible. T- constant turnovers. There should have been. I haven't marked. I haven't written down somewhere. There there was a couple goals disallowed. There was three goals off turnovers. Should have been six, but there's three. There's three goals that were called. Or one was denied by Leonard and that. And then there was two offsides. So they should have had six goals off. The Flyers should have had six goals off turnovers. Pathetic display of effort against the Flyers. As for Carolina, another pathetic display of effort. Team also just looked dead on the ice. No offense, no defense, nothing going. Robin Leonard looked okay again. As for the Kings game, that's a game you should win. So really not much. I mean, Stroman to Brickett looked great. Uh, they finally got reunited. So that's good. And yeah, it's a, they should have beat the Kings. So. I, I can't really praise them that much for beating the Los Angeles Kings, one of the worst teams in the league. And then the Predators game to close out that week. <laughs> Terrible. It was it, it might have been the worst. A day after Seabrook's second healthy scratch, I think it was a message to Calton. The boys just didn't look like they gave a single shit about playing that hockey game. Pecorino had a shutout, and he said it was one of the easiest games in his career. Uh, just a sign of disrespect towards the Chicago Blackhawks in which they, they don't deserve any respect for that kind of effort. And the only bright spot was Robin Leonard looking great. And, yeah, other than that, just a shitty week to be a Hawks fan. It was terrible hockey, boring to watch. Sunday, it was we beat the Kings. Who cares? They're a terrible team, so they should they should have dominated that. But other than that, just awful. And, you know, it, it was it was pathetic. It was a pathetic week for the Blackhawks and for a team that show, that we talked so much about about being a sleeper team this season. It They looked asleep on the ice that that's the only sleepy part about them they looked asleep i mean you mentioned you know pecorino saying it was one of the easiest games for him that he's ever had i mean robin leonard he faced what was it like 50 shots or something like that in that game 51 stop 48 of them so, literally he had 50 shots against him and he still walked away with a 0.94 he is the only reason chicago was in that game at all yeah, and Paquet pra- praised him. He's like, hats off to Rob- he, I don't know the exact quote, but he praised Robbie Leonard's game. He said he said it was one of the better goalie performances he's seen in a while. And what I've liked about Robbie Leonard is not only his play, but he's so- very honest with the media with how things are going. He He's on the Hawks. He said, he said the defense has to get better. The team's got to get better as a whole playing together. 
and they gotta they gotta get the puck out of their zone. So I I pre- I'm glad Leonard's speaking up because maybe it maybe something will wake up the Blackhawks. I don't know what it's gonna take, but their goalie calling out the team that should start it. So yeah, this is definitely a rough week for you guys for sure. I think the Flyers game, you guys, if you guys would have actually you know been on your toes, you guys would have had this one. But like you were saying, just look kind of lazy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you, you mentioned the disallowed goals. The Hurricanes game, was it just like turnovers? Was it bad defensive reads? Like, what was it? Because, like, I looked at the stats afterwards, and what was it? It was like 31 shots against like 30 or something like that, or 32. Yeah, it was just, it just, they just, again, it, it I don't know what it was. It was a one o'clock, it was a one o'clock start Eastern time, and they just looked dead on the ice. They couldn't get any, they couldn't generate anything in the offensive zone. Again, turnovers. It wasn't as bad as the Flyers game, but there was issues. And yeah, it was one of those things. It just looked terrible, and they couldn't get anything going altogether. So, I mean, I don't really want to. I don't want to try to get terribly negative on like the team. No, but in do it. I'm, I'm already of, as negative as can be. <laughs> so, in terms of these games. Because like, I thought this was probably a 50-50 week for them where they could have won two of these and lost two of them. Which one of these games would you say was like the biggest, we absolutely should have won that game if like the Hawks had been playing at their peak? Uh, the Flyers. The Flyers, I think they're a very beatable team. They're a good team, but they're beatable. Uh, I think just all the turnovers cost us. I mean, I read the stat that they should have had six goals off turnovers, only had three. That's still a lot. But it's just the turnovers. They're, they're, it, I don't know. It's simple mistakes. The Hawks are forcing passes, or they're just losing the puck in the neutral zone, getting it taken away, stolen from them, leading to an odd man rush or a breakaway. And that's it, that was the how the flyer even even pucks that were stopped. That there were so many th- odd man rushes and everything. It was just pathetic. They could have won that game. They should have won that game. But instead, just they, they laid an egg. Uh, before we talk about the wings. Of- in this week's flashback. Is there anything you want to close with Nick before we move on? We'll do our player of the week after the wings flashback, right? Yeah. We're going to do them both at the end of uh, the flashbacks. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm good then. Uh, uh, we'll get there. <laughs> any, uh, any, uh, any burns you want to apply David? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Just no, no. All right. It was uh, bad. <laughs> We we can move on to the Red Wings week this week, and it wasn't much better, but they did end up. We did beat the, Edmonton. We did beat Edmonton, so we'll go ahead and walk through the games really quick. Um, the Wings ended up falling two zero to the Sabers, which was uh why I wasn't there last week. I was actually at that game. Uh, they ended up losing five four to the Blues in overtime, so not a bad loss actually. And we took out Tarasenko. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to put that message out there. <laughs> Unfortunately. And then they beat the Oilers 3-1, which we'll, we'll talk about the Oilers and the Sabres games in depth because there's there's a lot to be said about those games. Um, First, let's talk the Sabres game for a minute. I don't know what is going on with this team in regards to how they're being coached and trying to take their chances. 
this game should have been an overtime game, if nothing else. Like, the Red Wings literally were pelting just endless pucks at the Sabres. Like, well, I think they had like 41 shots on goal and not a single goal against. And it wasn't even that Olmark had a like just a stand on his head performance. Like the wings kept having these ridiculous chances where they set it up and had these pretty much like a grade A minus, I would say, chance. And they just kept trying to make that extra pass for like an absolute perfect goal against. And it just it's frustrating to watch a performance like that happen where you can see the good plays in front of you and not watch the team take them. This should have absolutely been a win a win for the wings. And then the other game I want to talk about and like I guess sort of rant on is the Edmonton game. We we talked about it just a minute ago. Detroit looked absolutely dominant in the first period. They pretty much I would say ran the second and then the third they just absolutely collapsed and and Jimmy Howard stood on his head that third period and made that team not lose that game. I mean, they were leading like five shots to 13 at the end of the first. They were tied at the end of the second. And by the end of the third, they were like 37 to, I want to say 23 or something like that, 26. Like this team keeps, it's like they don't understand that the game is 60 minutes, not 40. And it's getting mm-hmm. frustrating and why I think they went on such a bad losing streak. Yeah. Um, I honestly, I don't know. I don't think Blast Shield makes the next season. Like, like in your opinion, David, like, what is it about this team that's not clicking? Because it's obvious there's something not right with this team. And it's, it's not just the players at this point. Like... Me and you have been pretty, um, I think, straightforward about it. This team isn't the best team in the league, but they're not this terrible. No. I think partially it's a lot due to the coaching. Um, I think Blashill was an excellent AHL coach, but the AHL and the NHL are two different leagues. Um, I think his transition hasn't been great. Yes, we got to the playoffs still his first year, but that's because we still had Mike Babcock's team. A proven winner. Blashell's a proven winner in the AHL. Um, yes, he knows the players, and yes, the players are young and still learning and gelling. But end of the day, I don't think he's the coach to lead us into the future. Like, what was it? The uh, in particular, like, did you watch the uh, the end of the Sabers game at all when they had that six on four? I did not. It, it was ridiculous. Like they had a six on four, they're down two goals, and they literally just cycle, 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 cycled around the net for thirty seconds. Like it was embarrassing. Like, this team, I don't understand. Like what is going on at this point? Mm-hmm. Like this team is better than this. Like I, I, I'm, like it's not a playoff team. I'm not going to act like it's not or that it is, but this team is not this bad. Yeah, and like I said, I think it's just going to be, I think Belasio goes the season, and then I think Iserman brings in a coach he wants. Because Belasio, he never picked Belasio. He doesn't know Belasio that well. Um, 
And there's plenty. It's like, look at our, look at our assistant coach. Our assistant coach is Dan Bowsma, Michigan native from my hometown, Grand Haven, who took the Penguins to the Stanley Cup. Um, I don't think he'll be the coach of the future, but Zetterberg, I think will, I think, I think Blashill isn't our coach next year going into the season. Uh, anyway, <laughs> does anybody have anything they want to add on this week before we go to the flash forward? Because I, I was at both of those games, and I just, the Sabres one in particular, what, what, I just wanted to pull your, my hair out. What's your opinion on it, Jordan? On Blashill? Yeah. I... I think Blashill is a perfectly serviceable development coach. He proved that in Grand Rapids, but the problem is that he it's like you said, yeah, he's got, you know, proven success at the AHL level, but the NHL is a completely different beast and Yep. I mean, just the line juggling in particular, like to me that just screams I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, the only line that's been like solid together the season is Samantha Larkin Bertuzzi line, correct? Like they've constantly been swapping Nielsen and Philpola, Helm and those guys around, haven't they? Because I mean, like, what is it? Yeah. The, uh, and like, I think he's correct. Like, stop me if I'm if I'm if I'm making crap up, but he's trying to be like Babcock was with the Euro Twins with Zetterberg and Datsuk. Yes, Zetterberg and Datsuk were fantastic together. But split apart, they still carried their lines really well. And I think he thinks he can do that. But that's the problem. I love Larkin. I love Moth. I love Bertuzzi. But they are not Datsuk and Zetterberg. Uh, I mean, like, Larkin Larkin makes everybody around him better. Like, it's proven on the stat sheet. I mean, somebody did a breakdown of, you know, stats with everybody on the team. And the only player who didn't really fall off when they got taken away from Larkin was Anthony Mantha. Like Larkin and Mantha are Tuesday. They're good players, but like you said, they're not Zetterberg and Datsuk. I'm sorry. Don't take something apart. That's not broken. That's the thing. Like who's a Glenn Denning. He's out right now. I get it. Your fourth line center. Who's supposed to be killing penalties and winning you important draws is gone. You got to slot somebody in. That's acceptable to have somebody filling in and juggling in that position. But that middle six, it's a constant juggle with guys who are getting switched in and out of that like line combination. And it just seems like nobody gets chemistry with anybody. And I don't mm-hmm. get it. Like those first couple of games, the MLB line was off the hook. It was one of the best lines in hockey. Leave it alone. I I don't know I, I don't know if it's the coaching or what it is with this team, but something needs to be changed, mm-hmm. either by the end of the season or during the off season, because there's no way the team should be this terrible in the standings. I yeah I can't see Blashill getting fired during the season, and if he does, I think they would just go with Bowsma for the rest of the season. Be but, actually okay with that, to be honest. Yeah, but. Uh... Who would you want us to bring in? I don't know, but I'm trying to think of coaches who are off the market right now. Joe Quenville. I, that'd Black be an Hawks interesting coach. pickup. He's in He's, Florida. Oh, is he? Yeah. Well, Florida sucks. He can come here. <laughs> who wants to be yeah, in Florida? Yeah, but he's got like the tax-free money down there. 
especially of Quinville's age, I think Florida is where you want to end your career. So he might have the right idea. But he might get attacked by a meth head in his pet crocodile. Uh, the way Joel Quinville is, I think he can handle anything that comes to him. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck? He went to Florida Panthers? Damn it, I wish oh. we could have gotten him. I I think next year, like you were saying, I, I think Steve Eiserman might pick somebody new to be the coach of that team because it's if these past three seasons are any indicator, Jeff Blaschel is not the guy. And I don't know. I can't see him sticking around for another season. Who's your guys? Who's your? Oh, sorry. No, that's just what I see happening anyway. Who's your guys' player of the week? So, um, first off, David, excellent pick last week for me picking Darren Helm. I absolutely would have picked him again. <laughs> um, my player for the week. It's actually a tough one for me this week. Um, I have to say Dylan Larkin. I mean, he showed up big in the Edmonton game and the Sabres game. I thought he looked really good. Okay. Um, I got to go with hungry Howie, Jimmy Howard. The only reason why we won that game was because of Jimmy Howard. He played on his freaking head in that third period, like you were saying. So I, I love Jimmy. He waved me once at a Griffin's game. So, you know, I'm all for it. Your player of the week, Nick. All right, be ready. I'm cut this part that I'm saying right now, but it's rant time. So be ready. Do yeah. it. Do it. All right. I got I got two players of the week. My uh, so they kind of go hand in hand. It's Stan Bowman and Jeremy Colleton for playing with the goddamn hearts of Chicago Blackhawks fan. This is three years in a row of pathetic display of effort. This team. How are you supposed to get? fans to buy in when you can't get your own players to buy in. Nobody's buying into Jeremy Colleton's scheme. Nobody's, everybody's done with it. You're, you're playing Dylan Strom on the fourth line. Why? You want to save some money in the offseason? Play him with DeBrinkett. Let him make his money. Who cares how much it's going to cost? It's, it's sickening. Then let's go. Where else do I want to go? Healthy scratches? Between Brent Seabrook and Zach Smith, that's $10.125 million that are healthy scratch. That's 12.4% of the cap. That's a waste of salary cap. You guys have $10 million of salary cap sitting in the press box, watching game, eating hot dogs, whatever, eating popcorn, drinking sodas, whatever the hell they want to do. It's getting ridiculous. Where else do I want to go with it? it, it, it it's, it's just it, it's just, it's a pathetic display of effort. The Hawks are 3-6-2 this season. They fired Joel Quinville at 6-6-3. Six, six, Jeremy Carlton needs to win three straight games and lose one in overtime in order to even match Joel Quinville's start to the 2018 season. So... There, and then you call up Adam Boquist. It seems like you're just making up excuses and reasons and desperation moves to keep Jeremy Colleton's job safe. It's getting pathetic at this point. You fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I keep on believing in this team, and they do not show signs of promise. The Hawks don't look like they want to play for Jeremy Colleton. Stan Bowman keeps praising Jeremy Colleton for the work that he's done. Jeremy Colleton's calling out the Hawks that they're showing, they're showing lack of effort. The Lions are going to work no matter who you pair them with. It's getting ridiculous at this point. Figure it out. If you got to fire Jeremy Colleton, then fire him because it's not working out. He hasn't looked great. The Hawks haven't looked great with the Chicago since he's taken over the Chicago Blackhawks. It's 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 getting frustrating at this point, and I'm out on Jeremy Colleton. I don't think he's the coach of the future. And Stan, if if Stan wants to save his ass again, it'd be firing Jeremy Colleton. But there's nothing else they could do. This is this is Stan's first job as hiring a coach. He inherited Joel Quinville. 
and he's done a terrible job at it because nobody's buying into Compton's system. Whew, sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, it seems like you've sort of been talking about coaches for both teams this week. Colleton, he actually is reminds me of Blashell with the blender at the lines. Is that pretty fair? Uh, 100%. He played Dylan Strom and Alex Nylander, the fourth line. What the – what are you doing? Sorry. Go ahead. Finish your thought. <laughs> well, that's just what I was going to ask. I was going to ask if he's been taking notes from Jeff Blashell. Uh, if he is, he needs to stop because it's not working. Nothing's working. So I don't know. I mean, do whatever. I don't, I, I'm almost done. I, uh. So who would you say Kevin's for, or star of the week would be Nick? Brad Marshall. Kevin's Kevin star of the week is Dylan Strom. He had two goals playing with the break it again. Great job. Great effort. Curve stopped the Kings, and maybe he's going too as well with Alex to break it just for that re- the reunion of those two lines. So, those are Kevin's picks. Okay. Um, does anybody have anything else they want to talk or rant or rave about this past week? Before we I can move go on, on to the flash let's forward, move, let, let's move on. Let's move on before uh, I have a heart attack or something. Blow a, I don't know, <laughs> blow a vein in my head. I don't. I, yeah, just move on. All right, uh, we'll start at the Hawks again, and we'll work our way through the week. So on Saturday, the Hawks are going to play against the LA Kings. On Sunday, they're going to play against the Anaheim Ducks. And then on Tuesday, they're going to play against the San Jose Sharks, so a bunch of West Coast teams. Um, let's just walk through the games. Uh, versus the Kings, we saw they won last time. We You mentioned this already, Nick. The Kings are not a good hockey team. They're slow. They're old. The NHL's gone to a speed game, and they got left in the dust. No pun intended. Like, I think Chicago should win this, and it shouldn't even be close. Yeah, to be positive, I know I was just so negative on them. They're gonna, they should win Saturday, and like you said, Jordan, it shouldn't be close. It should be a re- It should be a similar to a repeat of what they did against them on Sunday. What do you think? Uh, yeah, not even gonna be fair. The Kings are uh, not the team they used to be. They're more like the gestures now. <laughs> the gestures. Uh, the next game that the Hawks have on their schedule is versus the Ducks. Um, I think the Ducks could actually inch this one out over the Hawks. I mean, they've looked somewhat decent this season already. And, I mean, they haven't been amazing, but they've been decent. Uh it's hard for me to be positive, but like I don't think the Ducks are that great. I know they they haven't been terrible this year. Their roster just doesn't impress me. If the Hawks really show signs of life, they should beat the Ducks. And yeah, it could be close depending on Gibson starts, but I think the Hawks do find a way to edge it. Uh, it, it might be ugly, it might not be pretty, but I think the Hawks win against the Ducks. Just yeah. to note, it's a back-to-back Saturday-Sunday game from Ducks to Kings. What is your prediction, David? David, what do you think? Are you gonna? What do you think here? I think it'll be close. Um, let me see. NHL. How are the Ducks doing? Honestly, they're like fourth in their division, so they're not terrible. Um, I mean, they're not could, you know great, but they're they're not bad. I could see Chicago squeaking it out in overtime. Okay, and then 
the last game that the Hawks will have for this upcoming week before I record again is versus the Sharks. So I'm pretty sure the Hawks should take this one. They lost to him to the uh, home opener, but I think if they find a way to fix the mistakes of that game, they, they can win this one. You know, I'll ride with you, Jordan. Hawks are going to go three and zero this week. They're going to take. They're going to find their groove on the West Coast trip. They beat the Sharks Tuesday night. If it doesn't happen, be be ready for my heart to be broken on Thursday. Do <laughs> <laughs> you think David or Sharks are not the Hawks, or do you think the Hawks fall? Hmm. I think that. I think this is the loss you guys get. I think the Sharks somehow beat you. I wouldn't be somehow. It feels like every team right now could beat us. So, but I could see them losing too. So, not not against your decision. Okay. Oh. So, a somewhat decent schedule this upcoming week for the team. One that we all pretty much agree should be a blowout. One that's going to be up in the air, and then one that is basically going to come down to can the Hawks fix the mistakes of their first game against the Sharks? Would everybody say yep. it's a pretty fair assessment of the week? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we have a pretty general consensus on this week. Could go two and one, or could go three and zero. Well, uh, we'll go ahead and move on to the Red Wings side really quick. This is going to be a little bit longer of a week for them than the last week was. Uh, first, they're going to play on Friday against the Hurricanes. They're going to play on Saturday versus the Panthers. Monday against the Predators, and then Wednesday against the Rangers. So we'll walk through those games really quick. Uh, the Wings versus the Hurricanes. The Hurricanes are going to win this one, and I don't think it's going to be close. I think it'll be a blowout last, just like last time. Mm-hmm. I think the Canes are just too strong at D for Detroit to really hang with them. And it's just the fact that they built from the back out. Their defense is going to move the puck to the neutral zone. So unless Detroit clogs the neutral zone, just like they did against the Oilers, I think they're going to be just constantly in their own zone, and it's not even going to be close. Yeah, as long as uh, the other Sveshnikov doesn't get a really mean goal to get some highlight reels against us like he just did. Oh, yeah. I don't want that embarrassment on ESPN 24-7. Lucky for you, ESPN doesn't talk about hockey, so they'll, they'll, they'll just pass it by. They showed it for a second, and then they're like, let's talk about badminton. LeBron James had a turkey sandwich for lunch. Uh, but, uh, sorry, not to get off subject. I think I, I also agree the Red Wings fall. Hurricanes are just a great team. We, mm-hmm. I got to see that firsthand on Saturday. I, and the Hurricanes, I think, come out with that one as a win. Yeah, I think we pretty much all agree that that one's going to be a loss for the Wings. Could get ugly too. It could yeah. get very ugly. Um, the next game that they're going to be playing is they're going to be playing it against the Florida Panthers. I again think that this is a loss. I mean, they're what is it, third in their division? Something th- like that, yeah. I mean, they're third in their division. Their team doesn't look bad. They have Sergei Bravoski in net for them if he plays start. I don't think Detroit wins this one either, if I'm being completely honest. I think, you know, it's a close one. I think Florida, I think we give them a fight, but they beat us. And at the end of the game, Joe Quenville's like, man, that Detroit team's got a lot of talent. I'm going to head over there. And then we get him next year. 
We'll play with my heart, David. <laughs> yeah, Florida takes this one, and I, again, think it could get ugly. The Predators is going to be on Monday. Um, second, <laughs> I believe they're second in the Central. This is going to be a smash, I think, for sure. <laughs> you can see a lot of goals against the this week. I, uh, this, this one just looks like an ugly week, to be honest. Yeah, it's going to hurt. It's going to be like ripping off a Band-Aid, but the Band-Aid's made of duct tape with hot wax on it, and it's in places you don't want it to be ripped off. What's going to happen is they're going to rip the Band-Aid off, and then underneath the Band-Aid is going to have the name Lafreniere written underneath it. Ah, that's the one silver lining. Please, God. Uh, Annoying our luck. Detroit gets screwed again by the draft lottery. Watch it happen again. Let's see. who's Okay, so Montreal's the 15th seed right now currently. They're going to get it. Uh, uh, I'm going to say Predators, again, bad loss for the Wings. But, you know, Pecorino might not throw shots at you saying it's the easiest game in his life. <laughs> God, I hate it. That's your favorite player, I, isn't it? Yeah, it's Pecorino. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's, oh, my goodness, I just realized... You uh, we said that he was your favorite goaltender. He just chirped you guys. Yeah, he's getting in my head. He listened to that episode. <laughs> he's the one guy that gave us a freaking one star rating. <laughs> it's a pity five stars. That's what happened. We'll move on to the final game of the week and probably the only bright spot if there's going to be one. The Red Wings are going to play against the uh, New York Rangers on Wednesday, the 6th. I think the Red Wings can actually win this one. This is I think the only game on the schedule that looks realistically winnable for them. I mean, the Rangers are what, like, they're like seventh or something in the Metropolitan? Yeah, they're four, five, and one. Only team below them is the Devils. Yeah, so I think Detroit can win that one. I don't think it's really going to be a blowout. I think it'll be close. Just the games that they play tend to be close. Yeah. I'll say uh, four, three, Detroit in overtime. Okay, so pretty much a terrible week coming up, I think, by all of us agreed. <laughs> yeah. It's depressing times on the Stick Blade podcast. But it'll help me get my locket with Lafreniere's picture in it. But that's pretty much going to be our flash forward for the week. Uh, does anybody have anything else they want to add before we move on to the news outside of the league? Let's go to the rest of the league. We, I think yeah. we, uh, we spent too many times. Too much, too much time being yeah. down on our teams so this week. We'll go ahead and move on to the news outside of the Red Wings and the Blackhawks and talk about what's going on around the rest of the league. We have a couple pretty notable moves, or not moves, but signings, I guess, and injuries. So the big signing that happened, uh, Roman Yossi ends up signing a $9 million per year, eight-year deal. So the man's going to be big making money. his money, and he's making it for a minute. Uh, big, your guys' initial thoughts of the deal? I love this deal. I uh, Roman Yossi is one of the best. He's one of the best defensemen in the league, if not the best. He's uh, he's 29 years old, so he, that contract will be going 37. That that's a or 36. Sorry, I'm bad at math. But no, 37. I don't know. I'm not going to fight myself right here. But it, it's going to be. It, they could regret it again in the future, but. Yossi deserves it. He's a he's a health freak. He's gonna stay in his physical shape. He he's not the most physical player in the world, so his body's not gonna be a burden on him. 
Seabrook is right now. But, of course, he's not going to be this stud defenseman for eight more years. So it's going to, sure, maybe by 34, 35, you'll see some regression. But Romeo Yossi is one of those guys that David Poye and uh, Peter Lafayette, the coach of the Predators, they said there's only like, he plays 82 games a year. There's only like three games where you say, oh, he's been okay tonight. Every other time it's been, he's been a stud. So it, he's worth all that money. And when the, by the time the salary goes up, $9 million in these days, it's going to be like $6 million in the future. Yeah. So, this kind of seems like a signing for them where they want to keep the anchors of their blue line together. So it's basically if they're going to keep their identity of being a team built from the backup, they kind of have to keep him around. He's... He's sort of like one of their go-to guys. I mean, you can't really, you can't expect to lose a player of his caliber and expect to stay the same. So, and especially after off-season, you already lost PK. Not lost, but you sent away PK Subban. So you got to keep one of your. I mean, I know, I know uh, Nashville has a lot of great defensemen, but you got to keep your best defenseman on your roster for a long time. And they locked up Yossi, and it's looking good for their. You think, David, you like the move all right? Yeah, I mean, he's a phenomenal defenseman, and he's making bank. Like, he's earned it. So, um, yeah, good for him, man. <laughs> it's always great to see guys like this get paid their big ticket. It's just it, – it, it's awesome seeing NHL players get paid because they absolutely get all the money they get. Yeah. You can talk about a couple injuries really quick. So, a couple pretty notable ones to some big names. Uh, Gabriel Landeskog out indefinitely. So what that means for him and his team in regards to their performance this season, we don't know yet, but it could be catastrophic for them. Then the other big one that I think is even more important is uh, Vladimir Cherysenko is supposedly out for the next five months. So any Blues fans... Are gonna who are hoping to watch him sort of carry their offense? Your hopes have just been shattered. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll start. I'll start with the Landis Cog injury first, just because that one's a shorter term. Not well, we don't know the exact term of the injury, but he, he it, it's a big loss after a week after losing Miko Rantanen. That's a huge loss for the Colorado for teams that were going to the off or going to the season as potential Cup favorites. Huge loss, and with the depth they have. It's it's gonna be significant because you lost your two of your best players. You got Nathan McKinnon who's gonna to have to carry some third liners on that first line and hopefully things work out. So huge loss for the Avalanche and rough way to start the year. Yeah. And then as for the Tarasenko injury, the Blues have a great hockey team. They they're a great hockey team with him or without him. Sure it's you're losing your best offensive weapon. But I kinda of see with that being five months, I, I kinda of see what they could do like what they the Hawks do with Patrick Kane and uh, was it 2015? 20, yeah, 2015. I don't know. Tw- it was 2015 or 2016, but Patrick Kane, it was 2015. They Patrick Kane went down with an injury. They acquired Antoine Vermette because he was on the LTIR, which means they could go over the salary cap because Patrick Kane's salary cap didn't count. So the Blues could kind of do this this year and add another big piece at the trade deadline in the future, and because mm-hmm. you could go over the salary cap in the playoffs, so. If they may, if they find a way to squeak in the playoffs again, they could have a wagon of a. They, mm-hmm. it sucks to lose Tarasenko, but it, it could be a blessing in disguise depending on where they're at in April. 
Very true. It, it could be a blessing for them, but at the same time, you also have to ask, is what he was going to be producing, was it going to be something that, like, was his production going to be what helped carry them to a playoff spot? I mean, yeah, last season we saw that ridiculous comeback where they were dead last and made it and became, you know, the champs. But without him, like, does their offense stay to the point where they're sticking into games to even be able to claw their way back in? Because, I mean, five months is a pretty big chunk of time. Yeah, that's a huge, especially uh, losing the third, the guy with the third most goal team. It's a big loss, but and there's no guarantee he's going to be the same player right away because he's going to get. They could want to rush back, and so who knows what happens. But if the Blues find a way to squeak into that eighth seed, oh boy, watch out. Mm-hmm. I think those are the only two uh, major, or actually, no, who's it? Was it uh there was one other one. Was it a Victor Hedman? Oh, Victor Hedman, too. I don't know much about that injury, but big loss for losing the best D-man on the team. That's a huge loss for Tampa Bay. Yeah, so, I mean, Tampa Bay is still Tampa Bay. They're, they, like you said, just lost a humongous defensive piece, though. So, yeah, it's... And, and Tampa Bay hasn't looked that great to start this year, either. So, I mean, they've looked okay, but not what they did all of last year. Yeah, any closing thoughts, David, before we uh, we transition? No, I think uh, with the injuries, it's going to be tough. I think more tough for uh, Colorado because they've lost two players, like um, Nick said. Uh, so McKinnon's going to have to carry the load. And they're a team that's doing really well right now, so that's going to hurt them. And St. Louis, like, they're defending the Stanley Cup champions. They have some good depth. Um, and I project them to make a move like uh, Nick was saying, and then Tarasenko will come back healthy and refreshed for what could be a playoff run. So, in your guys' opinion, I, I kind of want to talk about Colorado for a second. Do you guys think that Landis Gog being out indefinitely, combining with the uh, the Rantanen injury, do you think that takes them out of a playoff spot? I mean, that's two pretty big pieces for your franchise being out for extended periods it depending on how long they're out I, we i don't know the length of landis Cog's injury yet i'm sure that'll be announced soon but yeah it it's not a great way to start because if you fall down in the standings you're going to be looking up and you're gonna be like it, it, you, you're digging out of a large hole because the first off the central is just the western conference is great all around but the central division itself it, it's tough to squeak in you it, you got it's the best probably the best division in hockey so it could be a struggle to try to reach the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. Does anybody have anything else that they'd like to add before we transition to uh, to question time? Nope. All right. So every once in a while, we get fan mail on this podcast from people via either email or Twitter or whatever the social media platform is that we're on. And today we have a piece of fan mail for the first time since... Uh, how many weeks ago? It is a couple weeks. Um, question comes from, weirdly enough, Brendan. Not Brendan Perlini, unfortunately. But... Hey, you guys got a panini? <laughs> There's no panini for Perlini. For Perlini. But uh, 
The question comes from Brendan. Uh, let me pull it up here really quick. Yeah. All right, here we go. The question. Looking at both of your teams for the past five years, what is the one trade that you regret your team making? Oh, God. Past five years? The past five years. What's the one trade that you regret your team making the most? I got mine right now. I got to think about that. Past five uh, years. I, I'm going to go just, I was just go since I already, it's been one of those ones I hated for a while. It's Tavu Teravine and go into the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, you know, the Hawks were looking to unload Brian Bickle because he wasn't performing the way he got paid to do. So they had to include Tavu Teravine to unload his cap. And now looking back at it, uh, what it, Bickle had uh, MS, multiple sclerosis. So it's one of those things that's sad to look at. That's why Bickle's played uh, regress. And you traded away a stud NHL player who's really coming along in Carolina these past couple seasons. So losing Tavu with uh, the Hawks, with the way the Hawks look right now and the way the Hawks looked in the past couple of years, it, it definitely hurt. All right. I have, um, hold on. I just want to check something real quick before I. So I have mine. Um, it was uh, the David Legwan trade, okay. where we well, traded Nashville for Cal Jarnrock, Patrick Eves, and a third round pick. Legwan proved to be shit for us, <laughs> um, and we lost a great penalty killer in Patrick Eves, who was an all around great guy, and I loved him. A third round pick in Cal Jarnrock, who. John Crock, I can never see hands. Yarn Crock. Yarn Crock, who has stepped up to a, into a really big role for Nashville. So we gave up a, a great penalty killer at the time, uh, a, a younger guy who could develop well, and a third round pick for a piece of hot, sweaty trash. Okay. Um, I I guess the one that I really dislike the most, or really dislike the most. I really disliked the Nick Jensen to Washington trade. Um, we essentially sent them Nick Jensen and a fifth round or 2019 fifth rounder, and we got back Madison Bowie and a 2020 second rounder, which, yeah, second rounders are great and all, but Nick Jensen, his possession numbers were among the best in the league when they were actually tracked. And I would have loved to have seen him stay with the team. He seemed like one of the only bright spots on our defense, and he was still young. Like, he had shown that he was already an NHL-caliber defenseman. He was still young, had plenty of term left, and when he re-signed with the Caps, like, he didn't even re-sign for, like, a big contract or anything. Like, he took what was, in my opinion, a budget deal to sign with that team. Like, that one stung, I think, me the most. I love Nick Jensen, but I think Madison Bowie will be fine. He has two assists on the season. He's young. He's learning. Um, I think he learned a bunch from Cronwall last year. So hopefully he pans out to be something good for us. But yeah, Nick Jensen's fantastic, and I'll miss him. Yeah, I I think that's pretty much everything. I don't know what uh, Kevin's would be, so sorry, Brendan. We can't really tell you what Kevin's most regretted trade is. The Brendan um, Perlini trade, because he loves Brendan Perlini. Before we close out, did you guys see uh, Kirby Doc kind of – he was on a different podcast this past week, 
and he was describing his inter- his pre-draft interview with Stevie Stevie Y, and it was kind of hilarious how Stevie Stevie Y put his mind in a pretzel. The so to start the interview, Stevie Y asked Kirby Doc, "Do you smoke pot?" And Kirby Kirby like was shocked by the question right away. He's like, "No, no, no, I don't. Not a, I never never have." <laughs> so the interview goes on a second time. He's like, "Are you sure you don't smoke weed?" And Kirby Doc's like, "What what what, what, the, what the hell, man?" No, I don't. I, I don't really smoke weed at all. So I, I, I so they moved on. Third time, <laughs> third time comes around. Eisenman goes. Some of your teammates tell me you smoke weed. So I'm gonna give you one more chance. Do you smoke weed? And Kirby Doc's like, No, I, I don't. I don't really smoke weed. So Kirby Doc was like shocked. And at the end of the interview, Eisenman. The interview ended. Eisenman goes out to Kirby Doc. He's like, "I was just messing with you, man. I know you don't smoke." <laughs> so that was. Yeah. He was like, "I was trying to get pot off you, bro." <laughs> yeah, and Kirby Doc's like, "Man, yeah, I just want to smoke some weed. You won't snitch, right?" He may not have smoked weed before, but he definitely wanted to after that interview <laughs> yeah, from right? the stress. <laughs> Kirby was like, Kirby said he was sweating through his shirt. You feel like he was being interrogated for a crime. He had to go change. He had to go change before his next pre-draft interview. Well, he's being interviewed by the freaking captain, so yeah, I'd be I'd be sweating too, especially if uh, he's grilling me on smoking pot. I was just, I was I found that hilarious. Just Kirby Doc just seemed so shocked and like he didn't know what to do. That is funny. I didn't hear about that. You'll have to please send me like the link to that. That I want to read that or watch it. I will. I'll send it to you right after we're done here. All right. Uh, Oh man, we're missing Muso tonight. We are missing uh, uh, Kevin. He he did send it. He did send a text earlier saying he was gonna go watch. You know, um, the Boston Bruins on repeat. I heard he was going trick or treating tonight, and he dressed up as he he dressed up as who was who, who did he say he was dressing up as? A Jordan Bennington. He was going as Jordan Bennington. Huge blue. He's a huge Blues fan. Really, I thought he was dressing up as Tarashenko's shoulder. Oh <laughs> no, I I feel like Kevin's since it's Halloween. I feel. What do you think Kevin's favorite candy is? I think it's Almond Joy. I think he loves Almond Joys. Now hold on, Almond Joys aren't that bad. Oh, all right. Well, I bet I'm going to start frying you right now. If you I bet he likes bit of honey. I've never even heard of that. Oh, it's like the worst candy. You take one bite and it's stuck in your teeth for like a month. Oof. What else? Who? What does Kevin like again, Jordan? He was mentioning something. He was mentioning something. You. Oh, oh. Said he really loves that Peeps candy. Oh, he buys oh, them and, on Easter and just eats them all year round. And candy corn. He's a huge fan of candy corn too. Fuck you! I love candy corn. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> Almond joys and candy corn. What? What's your taste? Reese's is the best though. Okay, at least you're somewhat normal. But like, if someone puts a bowl of candy corn out, I'm like. I can't resist. I'm like, ah, I don't want this, but I'll eat it. And then I'm like, I can't, I can't stop eating it. And then if it's like the candy pumpkins, I'm like, well, I might have just put a gun in my mouth. This is too good. Oh my goodness. Like the Disgusting. candy corn are they're I horrible. Heard, the pan, like the pumpkins, I can't stand them. I heard Kevin really loves Necco wafers, though. I, I don't even know these candies you're naming. God, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so imagine a Smarty, okay? okay? But bigger and, like, chalkier. It sounds disgusting. Yeah, it That's a neck away for whenever a person gave that to me. I'm like, okay, thanks, bye. And then they close the door and I just 
chuck it and run. Waste like, my time with this shit. I bet Kevin, if he gets trick or treaters, he gives them like boxes of raisins or a fucking apple. <laughs> uh, raisins. Yeah, I got I got a stockpile of them from Jordan matching the uh, offer sheet a couple months back. We're still doing that, by the way. The seventeenth, keep it. We're doing it. Yeah, yeah. We're uh, the Stick Blade podcast takes on the Joe Lunas Arena. It'll be the right, LCA oh, now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Jesus Christ, where have I been the last three years? Uh, yeah, the <laughs> Little Caesar Arena. But yeah, Stick Blade podcast. We will there. There will be some content. See what's we'll see what we have in mind. Right. Kevin, oh, we miss you, buddy. So don't miss another week, or else coming we'll find you actually home alone <laughs> in all seriousness is there anything that anybody wants to talk about before we wrap tonight's show because i think that pretty much is everything that we had on the schedule for the night yeah before we get off the rails again let's just end it <laughs> let's call yeah. it by the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a good show oh there's okay. gonna be some there, there'll be a behind the scenes uh stick blade podcast at the end of this so listen for that will be <laughs> so anyway thank you Brendan for the question we really appreciate it uh, it's just kind of just something fun to do and talk about for a minute um, but with that being said if nobody has anything else to add we'll go ahead and wrap tonight's podcast up as always thank you guys for listening to the episode we really enjoy spending this time together chatting up the league the teams and just having fun like this it's always a blast getting together and we enjoy that you guys listen in um as always if you guys want to get in contact with the podcast always feel free to send us an email you can email us the email is really simple it's stickbladepodcast at gmail.com you can also find us on twitter the twitter handle is at stickbladepod that's at stickbladepod and then we're going to assume that you probably found the sound or yeah, this podcast either on SoundCloud or on iTunes. So whichever platform you found us on, give us a like, a follow, a share, whatever the digital currency is of that platform. We know that iTunes ratings in particular, super, super important in determining whether a podcast gets found or not. So please give us a five star on there if you like us. And as always, we really enjoy you guys tuning into this episode and sharing this with us. Uh, but that's tonight's episode. I'm your host, Jordan, and for my co-hosts, Nickel Page and David Barnhouse, this has been another edition of the Stickblade Podcast. Happy Halloween. Have, happy Halloween. Have a safe Halloween. And have a good evening. Go Red Wings and go Blackhawks. He's like, I got to use two hands. And I'm like, oh, yeah, one for the magnifying glass and one for the tweezers. <laughs>